Welcome to Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today we're going to be covering minute 110, which goes from an hour 49 to an hour 49 and 59 seconds. Uh, we start with uh, <laughs> Sean, and he has what is described in the script as, um, I, th- I think he says... Um, his palm looks like he just used it to erase a blackboard. That's how uh, Aaron Sorkin describes it. Um, and Sean says, that's not mine. And that's where the minute starts. Um, and then we get some interaction between Sean and the police officers and the various scared sorority girls who are all saying that they're 21. Um, and, and then it cuts to the Facebook offices and the phone rings and Mark answers it. And then we get Sean... Um, you know, talking about what's gone on and how, you know, he, he's got allergies and, you know, he's posted bail and, uh, and kind of all of that goes on, um, you know, and, uh, you know, well, I mean, basically it, we kind of just get the start of the call where, um, you know, Sean says something's happened. Uh, obviously he's going to go on to explain that he's posted bond and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's weird because in the script it says a, a, an LED clock on the wall tells us it's 4.40 a.m. But I can't see that clock anywhere on that wall. Um, so, you know, and also it says that there's a San Francisco skyline outside the office, but that's not the way that this has been shot. <laughs> um, yeah. So Sorkin was obviously making some directing choices that uh, David Fincher did not follow through with. Um, and joining me to talk about today is Dan Costa. Hello, Dan. Hello, hello. Yeah. So this is kind of we're almost at, at Sean's downfall. Obviously, it will go on a little bit into the first minute of next week uh, where he explains what happened and he's got allergies and everything's under control and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we'll see the punchline to uh, the boxes that were delivered by Ashley. Um, but we have Sean here kind of. You know, like I said, for some reason, he decided he was going to be the person who needed to wipe down all the cocaine. And the evidence is then basically left on his hands. And, you know, like I said, Sorkin, he frames it as uh, his palm looks just like he used it to erase a blackboard. Uh, and I like ha- what's that? Sorry. Did you notice that in the movie? Because his, his palm didn't look. I didn't notice that. I even thought to myself, well, it didn't. You can't really see that much cocaine on his hands. Well, his hands just look a little bit white. So as as the flashlight's on them, um, it's only for like half a second because, again, they needed to maintain the rating and so they couldn't really get too much into it. Uh, so it just kind of goes by pretty quickly. Um, and then like I just kind of like how the police officer is like, we're going to need to see some identification. And then, you know, the, he's like, have you got anything in your pockets I should know about? And, of course, this is where... Um, you know, Sean takes out, like, I think he's got his inhaler that he takes out, and then the policeman goes into his pocket and he says, you know, what's this? And he's like, it's, an, it's my EpiPen. Um, and so it's like... He's Police like, officer would know what an EpiPen is, but it's a very funny line. It, I yeah. Think, I think that that, it is the EpiPen and the inhaler, it's all meant to make Sean look a little you know dorky <laughs> he is he is still a nerd as cool as he wants to be and like i said it plays with timberlake's persona because i don't think pers- uh, timberlake at heart is this ultra cool guy i think he's probably a bit of a dork and uh i i will say the not mine when he checks his palm not mine <laughs> i think that's really yeah. funny i think that's really i think that's good delivery in line yeah i also don't know why like he's you know like i said i don't understand why he decided he was the person who would have to wipe the cocaine off of ashley's belly but also once he's done that i don't know why he doesn't at least try to wipe it off his hands a bit more thoroughly before the police come in i know they come in a bit quick but still you know give it a bit of an effort wipe it on your leg the universal wiping something off of you know on the side of your leg 
Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this is where the policemen, they start shining the flashlights at the sorority girls. And he starts and the policeman starts asking how old they are. Um, and they start going, I'm 21, I'm 21. And then, of course, this is where the policeman says, Lane only makes it worse. And then it goes back to Ashley. And she's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have lied. And I just love the kind of delivery that we get from her of, like, somebody being, like, so kind of, like, distraught that they shouldn't have lied about their age. Um, and and again, I kind of like that. My thing with that is, like, the, because the police officers know the plot of the movie, they then flash the, the light on Sean, who's going to be most affected by being at a party with Mike. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting actually because in the script it describes like people taking out handcuffs and um you know the sound of them cuffing Sean's hands and stuff but we don't get any of that. We don't get any handcuff stuff. It's just literally the flashlight is enough to get the information out of them. Um you know. And then we get, you know, we get kind of back to Mark um and you know he's sitting in the office. Like I said, uh, you know, Sorkin puts a lot of direction in the script and he says, you know, a digital LED clock on the wall tells us it's 4.40 a.m. Mark is sitting at his computer alone. No one else is in the office. The San Francisco skyline is beautiful outside the floor to ceiling glass. His cell phone rings and he answers. And of course he answers. Um, and then, you know, it says um, Sean, freezing with no coat on, is sitting at the bottom of the steps to the police station, which isn't where he is. He's inside the police station. Yeah, so, so, so Sorkin obviously decided to kind of put a bit more direction in than Fincher wanted to take. Um, oh, what I and like, I think... I'm sorry, what I like about um, that scene too is, you know, to the foreboding of like, okay, the party's over at Facebook is when Mark gets the call, the, the some of the fluorescent lights, the office lights start shutting off in the background. And I just thought that was kind of a nice... Yeah, thing. and just as Sean calls, we get the, the track, uh, which is titled The Gentle Hum of Anxiety. Um, which is a great track. And it just starts up just as the phone call starts. And that will continue playing for the rest of the kind of the next couple of minutes as Sean is talking on the phone. And then when we, you know, next week, when we jump back to the deposition for the final time, for the final last time, when we kind of we're, we're, we're at the end of the film, um, you, that's when the gentle hum of anxiety finishes as well, once we get back into the present. So, uh, but yeah, there is, and also kind of the, as the lights, I don't know if someone is turning the lights off or if they're on like a motion sensor. And so, but the kind of noise of them turning off is very loud <laughs> and very, and very echoey. There's a nice bit of kind of like, you know, um, Foley work to kind of really make you feel like you're in this big empty office. Um, you know, and I think it was the right choice from Fincher to not have, mark like against a kind of like um like glass windows looking out into the city or whatever um you know that feels like very much uh like a different film that feels like something that oliver stone would do he would have his protagonist standing in front of a glass window looking out at the kind of the skyline that's you know more of a kind of i mean it feels like something that would be in wall street but um, you're right that emptiness of that giant office building it, it really adds to it i think that that that's yeah that's the brilliance of fincher to do that i mean he's that's why he's the best and also mark mark is pretty much mark is pretty much in the same position as he was when sean left <laughs> like so the the implication is everybody's been out to this club they've all partied they've celebrated the million members but mark has basically remained stationary in the same seat and as Probably just gone and got a new laptop and spent time setting that up so that he can log back into Facebook and continue like, you know, coding or whatever he's got to do, um, you know, after Eduardo smashed his old one up. So 
Um, it feels very much like, you know, Mark is is kind of stuck at work being the kind of workaholic that he's, you know, he's pretty much been throughout the whole film. You know, there's always been times when he's coded a ton, um, you know, so it's no surprise to kind of see him there. The fact that, like, Sorkin wanted to indicate that this was like 20 to 5 in the morning, but, you know, Fincher just kind of doesn't indicate that. I think is a it makes it a bit more believable that Mark would still be there because this feels like it's probably close to like, you know, midnight or something rather than 4 in the morning. And, you know, Mark has just been, you know, whatever happened after Eduardo left, he's kind of just been maybe setting things back up and, you know, being wired in for a couple of hours while everybody else went out to party. Uh, which, again, not an accurate depiction of the actual Mark Zuckerberg, who was known to go to and throw a number of parties while he was at university and later on. So, um, you know, uh, it's also worth saying as well, something we didn't really mention earlier, but as this is the final appearance of Ashley as well, uh, it's worth saying that Mark had a girlfriend at this point who would then be his future wife. Uh, so, like, the idea that he would be looking at interns at his own company, first of all, is creepy anyway. But then also, it's not accurate. He he had a wife, you know, like, you know, or he would have a wife, you know. he So, like, you know, Priscilla Chan was already going out with Mark Zuckerberg during all of this period of time anyway. So, that, again, that, does, that feels like a bit of an invention just to make Sean look even worse. Um, you know, and you know the fact that the fact that Sean has maybe had a thing with Ashley before, and then decides to follow her to this party, uh, it ends up being his downfall. And so it's kind of almost like you know, um, were this like a, tr a tragic Shakespearean character, uh, Sean Parker's main flaw would be uh, college girls. Uh, for 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 Hamlet, it was indecisiveness. Uh, for Macbeth, it was uh, revenge. Um, for King Lear, it was his uh, his foolishness, um, and for Othello, it was his jealousy, um, and for Sean Parker, college girls, yeah. and in particular uh, the college girls' buttocks, uh, because of course earlier in the in the kind of the the week, as Ashley walked away, we did get a shot of her her like behind, and it was kind of clear that Sean Parker was looking at that, and that was how we met him. But so so I don't know why she's still invited into the party, but I guess you know he's the guy who's probably going to be bringing the drugs. So you know, I, I feel like sometimes uh, in some situations the person you have to invite to the party is the one who's going to be supplying you with let's say party favors um so yeah you know well also he can buy beer yeah yeah so i i, I think that's maybe why he gets invited to a lot of college parties is probably because he's footing the bill for a number of kegs um here and there um or at least putting his name to the paperwork to get them delivered uh so yeah and i mean uh, i love the way that the music comes in here as well like you say the kind of the foley work for the the, the kind of the empty office is so kind of perfect and then that with the gentle hum of anxiety which is a great track and and, and I, I think i think as well the funny thing about like this this track coming in um is just the kind of uh the kind of echo like the the kind of echo of the track like works with the the empty office um so it kind of almost feels like somebody over the other side of the office has just started playing this music <laughs> while mark is there uh, which obviously it's not diegetic so but you know it's still kind of funny that it's like oh you know this is clear this is clearly something that feels like it's happening just not only just in like you know in reality but kind of maybe in mark's head he's like you no, know, it's that very yeah. unsettling and trent reznor does it so well and i just saw um uh, you were never really here did you see that and uh, i haven't seen that yet yeah, no. that's uh johnny johnny greenwood is that his name from radiohead yeah yeah, and yeah. he does that so well, too, that just, I'm going to make you really uncomfortable with the sounds of the score. I'm going to make it, you know, just unique and discordant. Is that discordant? Is that a word? I don't know. Yes. But yes, yes. that's what I think I'm saying. 
Um, and yeah, and I, I just kind of, you know, like the, the kind of the we've had the kind of, you know, the, the party music going on for the last couple of minutes. And before that, it kind of we we had the end of the, the previous uh, kind of track. Um, so this is kind of the, the music being reintroduced. And this music will kind of go on for the rest of this phone call. Um, and like I said, once we get back into the present, that's it. You know, there's no more there's no more score from Trent Reznor and, and Atticus uh, Ross. This is like the last track that, that is kind of on the the, the, the kind of the, the soundtrack. Um, you know, the next the next time we hear music, it'll be by uh, some extremely wealthy millionaires. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where we end this week. Uh, is there anything else that needs to be said about this particular minute, do you think? No, I just, just I thought that the it was, I think, played for humor a little bit, the EpiPen and the inhaler. And I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I should say, of course, this is, you know, a, uh, a minute by minute podcast. Uh, you know, if you want to find other ones that do this, then go to moviesbyminutes.com and you can find, I think, at time of recording, 140. Um, 140, by the way, just denotes the amount of podcasts, not the amount of films being covered, because obviously Star Wars Minute, Back to the Future Minutes, you know, Spider-Man Minute, um, uh, Mad Max Minute, Alien Minute, they're all called covering multiple films. Uh, those are done by insane, crazy people who want to spend the rest of their life doing minute-by-minute podcasts, unlike me, who sensibly chose a film that finishes and that's it. You know, Of course, unless there ends up being, you know, David Fincher's next project is The Social Minute, uh, Social Network 2, then obviously I'll have to return for that. But um, otherwise, I've you know generally kind of picked films that are just single films and nothing else. And then, you know, I can kind of finish off and that's it. The whole thing's done. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, I, the Star Wars Minute guys who kind of originated the daily format are basically going to be doing that for the rest of their lives, from what I can tell, you know, as if, if, if Disney get their way. Um, so uh, if there's nothing else to say about this minute, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Dan? Uh, just that, you know, I'd like to guest on podcasts. If anybody needs a guest, you can uh, uh, drop me a line on Facebook. <laughs> And you can find us on MySpace at MySpace.com slash the social minute or on Twitter at social underscore minute or on Facebook at social minute podcast. Thanks for being my guest this week, Dan. Thank you for having me. And otherwise, I'll see you next week. <laughs>